0: Hello and welcome to the Muni Oral History Project, where we explore the stories and rich history of the Springfield Municipal Opera over the past 60 years. Stories from the people who have built, experienced, and performed what we'd like to refer to as Muni magic. Sit back and relax and listen to these tales of Broadway under the stars.
1: Well, I am so excited to have here today Dave Shaw. How are you doing, Dave? I'm great. And yourself? I am doing great. So Dave has designed some of the most beautiful sets Muni's had, at least in um, um, recent memory. So what was your first Muni experience, Dave? Well,
2: I um, moved to Rochester in 85 to teach art and drama. And... That year another teacher said, have you gotten ever involved with the Muni? And I said, no, but I'd love to. So she had a neighbor and he was producing a show the summer of 86 and they needed a scenic artist. So they got in touch with me and that was my first show. It was Jesus Christ Superstar. And I painted the sets for it. And I didn't realize that you put together a crew to do it. So I was painting it all by myself. And that's a huge
1: stage. Of course, when people think of Dave Shaw, you're always associated with Lee Steiner. Yeah. So when did you become um, associated with Lee?
2: Well, that wasn't for a while, because then the next year, I ended up working on all four shows. They're painting or working props and costumes or whatever in 87. Then in 86, I was working Peter Pan the first show. And then I directed Mame that season. And Lee was a director that year as well. Yeah. She was doing 42nd Street. And then I went on in 89 to do Joseph and then it was for um, Into the Woods that Lee had been working with a designer, but he had moved out of town and she had a set design, but nobody to paint it. So my name came up and we met and it's been history ever since.
1: Yeah. Okay, so you said you directed MAME. Uh-huh. Was that your first time directing at Muni? At Muni, yeah. Okay, why don't you tell me about that production?
2: It was... When, at school, I would direct a show every year. Mm -hmm. And um, have to do... I would do all the visuals and everything myself anyway. So with MAME, it was interesting. I worked with that, and it was with Scott Richardson as my assistant. And we also did all the set and everything else. And it was... uh, Ended up jumping, it was like jumping in with both feet, um, directing for the first time, and, uh, but it was a wonderful experience working with wonderful actors that you build these friendships that go on forever. Um, Who was in that MAME then, do you remember? Pat Pennington played MAME, and Ann Collins played Vera.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. So, then, um, was that the only show you directed before you became before you joined up with Lee? Yeah, yeah. So, um, they what
2: are, a, I, I directed some other ones, but they were at, like theater center and yeah. And stuff. But no, that after Into the Woods, then we became this partnership. Yeah. With,
1: uh, um, so you said you told me off um, audio that you had been on the Muni stage, too. Why don't you tell me about that?
2: Well, in um, a couple more shows that we did, Lee, we needed just a small character. And so Lee said, well, you're going to play it. And I was like, me? Yeah, you're going to play it. And it's like, okay. I had done some other theater on stage stuff too, so it wasn't a big deal. So I got to deliver Little Mary Lennox in Secret Garden to her caretaker, um, traveling with her from India, and that was Anna Meisenbacher when she was a little 13 year old. And then I was um, a director type character in. City of Angels. Mm -hmm. And so she would have me come on and do these bit parts. And after a while, it was like, okay, Lee, enough is enough. I can't watch what's going on on stage and be on stage. (laughs) So...
1: This was long before my time, but two of the most gorgeous sets that people still talk about are your City of Angels and then, of course, Secret Garden. So... City of Angels was first, so we'll um, before Secret Garden. So let's talk about that. Of course, why don't you tell me about the concept of the show? Just because it's not that well known of a show. With City of Angels, yeah,
2: City of Angels is uh, a show. They really need to do it again. It's a sh- a wonderful show about a kind of detective, noir detective and a writer who's writing the detective, and there, there are multiple characters, but it goes in from the black and white detective novel to reality. And it flips, and people play a reality character, but then they also play the character in the novel. And on stage, for instance, one scene starts in the bedroom, uh, bedroom, and it's all black and white. And as the scene progresses, the character changes and the whole set turns to to color. So the black and white set was all very painted and flat. And then we had to do theater magic to turn things and move things so that they would be the objects but appear in color. And so it was quite a challenge, but it was a lot of fun to do.
1: So did you just have, um, they, they were on like um, rotators and you flipped them. So the black and white was on one side and color was on the other.
2: Some of the stuff in the detective's office, there was a file cabinet. It was all painted to look like a wall, but he could go up to the file cabinet and pull it out because the cabinet was sunken in the wall, but it was painted to look flat. hmm And a bedside table was flat and painted on one side, but it was dimensional and colored on the other side. And so it was just flipped. The bedspread in that scene was black and white patterned and the actors just whipped off the bedspread and the same bedspread was in color underneath. But then the the characters also had to change too. Yeah. And costumes and stuff. So that was really cool. But the first, the, one of the proudest moments was in Pirates of Penzance. Doug uh, Hahn had directed that. And when this, I painted the travelers in front to look like stage curtains. Mm-hmm. So they're big dramatic stage curtains. And they parted and the set got applause because i had seen a traveling show where they had sparkling sky and stuff but this was before all the little leds and all the stuff that you could do outside so i had researched it i sought out at a sangman auditorium and i went backstage and i saw how they did it and i recreated it on at Muni and it's shimmer curtains behind a drop with pinholes in it. And there's lights on the shimmer curtains behind it. And then the little lights just shoot through the little holes and it opened up and it looked like a shimmering ocean. And it was just all sparkly and stuff. Mm. So, yeah. So that was really cool. When I do a set, Mm I like to really create an environment, not only for the audience to be uh, invited into, but also for the actors. So as much detail and reality that I can put into the set, um, I do it. And at Muni, as you know, little details, don't transfer across that, the pit and everywhere else. But it was for Mm -hmm. the actors, too, so that they were in this environment.
1: Yeah, and then, of course, your secret garden set, the eyes, I still hear people talk about the eyes. So,
2: Well, it was interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, I saw a secret garden, and when I saw the production of it, I wasn't wild about it because I thought the set overpowered the actors and um, it was very beautiful, but to find this little girl in the set with all of this incredible Victorian, uh, valentine floral stuff, she got lost. And the ghosts appearing, felt jarring to me. So I had to figure out a way to incorporate them. So I built set pieces that came in from both sides and there were painted um, scrim in front of them that could be lit from the back that would appear, the ghosts would appear through it. And I wanted to bring everything in to minimize that huge stage. So the stage was set on two turntables that would rotate around and I did uh, proscenium uh, paintings that stretched across the proscenium and in all of the greenery that I painted I hid figures. So as the audience came in they would start counting trying to find the figures hidden in all of the greenery and of course Front and center were these pair of beautiful eyes that were Lily's eyes from the actress. I had actually painted her eyes in this 10 foot panel uh, that was the centerpiece of the top. But it was really cute because people would find more figures in the set than I actually had painted. Because it's like looking at the clouds and you see different things. But at Muni it's fun because you have that weekend off or the the little bit of time in between the first weekend and the second weekend. So I would go in and I would add to the set for, for the cast. So all of a sudden they'd come back and they were like, was that person always there? And I was like, oh, of course, of course but I had just gone in and added it to the set. But they were hidden in the stones and hidden in the trees and all over the place. And very just beautiful.
1: Yeah. So what was the last Muni show you did then?
2: Children of Eden.
1: Okay. And of course that one was a big one with Lee. So why don't you tell me about that one?
2: That was so interesting because of costuming and and everything. So I had taken some inspiration from Lion King and um, One of the things that I like to do with Muni was since I taught and I taught art and drama, it became an extension of my classroom. So I would always include or invite students to come and help and work. So with Children of Eden, we had so many costumes to create and they needed to be creative and wonderful. So I invited a couple kids to join me as soon as school was out. We met in my art room at school and we started creating. And for a month and a half we met every day to create headpieces and costumes Uh, We had the five or six kids that played the snake come in and put on their body suits so we could paint the snake on them. But then those kids would go with me out to uni and help put up the show, paint the show, and many times work the show. So Children of Eden was, yeah, was big, big. I had to, we kept including so many people because I I don't want to say this uh, definitively, but it was probably the most diverse cast that Muni's ever had. And it was huge at the end. Um, And Lee just kept adding people that would mm-hmm. come in at the end and adding families of actors to join at the end. And I finally had to say, stop, stop, stop. Every person you add, I have to get a costume <laughs> So we have to create something. And so when I say a costume for, um, when Lee and I partnered up, then I would also design costumes and then people would make them unless they were especially piece that needed to be painted or something. And then I would do it. But, uh, yeah, that was incredible, and the vast number of people that were involved, and uh, yeah, it was just pretty wonderful.
1: Yeah, so, um, what are some of your favorite memories from any of the shows that you've done at Muni?
2: Well. It it mostly involves the feeling of accomplishment when you nail something and you get something right and it works and then it's the people. It's the working together of an incredible group of people and putting it together. That's what I love about theater so much and what, what I taught is it's a coming together. And so, I still am friends with people from that 86 production. I mean, once you do a show, you just become connected with a lot of people. And so there are so many wonderful memories of good times and laughs and hard work and, and scary moments and funny moments and sad moments. And yeah, just supportive.
1: Yeah. So then one of the phrases that we often use in the theater world is the show must go on. And for this series, I'm framing it as mishaps. <laughs> I mean, I guess from your perspective, it might be a little, be, I guess the flubbed lines are missing a lyric, unless you remember somebody doing that during one of the shows. But I mean, set falling down, somebody um, wardrobe malfunction. Um, anything, anything come to mind?
2: Well, one of the set things that we had done in um, Pirates of Penzance, we spent all morning painting this set piece. And I was teaching a bunch of people to help me paint it. And it was all done in faux marble. And that afternoon, the skies opened up and it poured rain and we stood off stage watching all of the work that we had done slide off of the wood and across the stage floor so we had to go back and repaint the whole thing and i know lee has told you about the the gurney story in city of angels yeah with phyllis eubanks being thrown on but um what lee didn't mention was Doug had tried to pull the blanket off of them and Phyllis was holding onto it so that he couldn't expose that there was a prop woman on the set instead of the actor. And they roll the gurney off stage and Phyllis, who is the sweetest, kindest little lady, sits straight up on the gurney and says, what the F was that? Because she was on stage before she even knew it, (laughs) the gurney. And we just cracked up. It was too, too good.
1: So one of the phrases we commonly use is muni magic. And that means many things to many people. And I guess you as a, a designer have created that magic. But what does muni magic mean to you?
2: Well when I read that question two things came to mind, two events came to mind and it was the first show when Lee and I when we would start rehearsals for Into the Woods we would sit out on the ramp and watch the rehearsal going and look at things kind of unveil and Lee leans over to me and says now if we could put the full moon right there above the stage. And sure enough, I said, well, I'll see what I can do. (laughs) Sure enough, opening night, we had a full moon and it was right above the stage. Now something like that's not gonna happen in an indoor theater. Yeah. And the other weather phenomenon that happened so magically was in the first production I did of Superstar, during the crucifixion in the sky behind was a lightning storm. And it was, he's getting whipped and he's hanging on the cross. And behind in the sky is lighting up with lightning. And it was was beautiful. My parents were there that night. And my dad was very funny and said, how? how did you do that <laughs> the lightning it's like well that i didn't do that that was that was the heavens yes. but some of that just you know it's wonderful
1: you can't get that indoors
2: no and it it, it <laughs> just kind of serendipitously happens but then also there's the night where it just downpours on you or it's so hot you're building ice packs into costumes and yeah um, yeah
1: have you ever done one of those shows where it's just like you're in a heat advisory and oh
2: many times so I would end up painting we would do especially later when I was working with Lee we would do the rehearsal and everything and then I would stay and work on the set and paint all night, at night in the dark. But um, when we were doing Pirates of Pen Sands one time, we're painting the set and it was during the day and Doug Hahn was the director and all of a sudden we lost Doug. And then somebody said, he's off the back deck. And we looked and I don't know where he found it, but it was a little kiddie pool And here's Doug (laughs) sitting in the little kiddie pool of water in his probably Speedo, (laughs) you know, just soaking it up back there because it was so hot and it was just too funny.
1: Yeah. So um, that kind of, so what are the other phrases that we commonly use as Muni family and Of course, that means literally where families do a show together. And if they're not on stage, you have people back, family members backstage or at the very least up at the top of the hill ushering every night. And then there's the lifelong friends that you make. What does meaning family mean to you?
2: Well, it has given me um, some of my best friends. And Lee is probably my best friend. And, you know, ever since we did that first show... It's kind of like we've been inseparable. And um so many other people mm-hmm. that you know, even though they have may may have moved away mm-hmm. or whatever, but you still keep in touch because you have those memories and those experiences and then you know, it just goes on and on.
1: Yeah. So that kind of segues into the next question. Who are some of the special people you worked with? I know, of course, Lee is at the top of your list, but.
2: Yeah. Lee and Doug and uh, Judy Burnett and Judy Brown and, and Tom Shrewsbury and Dave Britton. And uh, there are so many people that you work with and you experience uh, you know, working with Cinda and Anne and Linda Schneider and Don and, you know, all of these uh, actors that have been actors and designers and directors that have been around forever. And then you you meet and grow up with the young ones. Like, it's so wonderful seeing Anna as a director and a force with Muni and local theater and she was just this little girl and I have kids that have also you know that become family that I had one parent that called me and I didn't have their kid yet because uh they were too young but she called me and said my son is looking to belong somewhere and he loves theater um is there anything he can do to help with the show And I was like, absolutely. So he came out and helped me paint sets and do stuff for Secret Garden. And he was probably sixth grade, seventh grade. He is now a musical director in New York, has done Broadway touring shows. And, you know, he embraced it and it was a place he found solace and family and you know and so many of the kids have gone on to dance and design and play music and so many of them
1: yeah so then of course we just lost recently gene rubley who was a force at muni i mean he was a supporter he always had something to say whether or not you wanted to hear it but i mean he was he was probably muni's biggest cheerleader
2: yeah
1: even even the, um so do you have any of course i know he was in city of angels <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah so i was like lee did you tell the iron lungs story? you know what Absolutely.
1: Everybody I've inter- and, uh, interviewed who was in that show has told that story, plus people who were in the audience have told that story. Everybody remembers that about Gene. Well, it, it was,
2: and Gene hadn't been on stage for quite a while, and but he would come to auditions and watch auditions. I remember, Lee didn't quite remember how he ended up in the Iron Lung, but it was, he was at auditions and it was like, Let's ask Gene. He could do it. He could ride on stage in an iron lung. <laughs> so, finding a real iron lung and putting him in it.
1: How it, did you find an iron lung?
2: It was a lot of extensive research, and we had a team of prop people, and this is Phyllis Eubanks again, and uh, they, we found one. And it wasn't functional, but it was period. Yeah. And it was like, oh, this is great. So we rigged it so it would roll on easily and he could get in and made him a little pillow. Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah. everything. Do you have any other gene stories that come to mind?
2: No, but you are correct with, you know, advice and comment and <laughs> whether you want it. I mean, he would come up after a show and go, you know, it was all lovely, except that one red hat or something. It was yeah. like, oh, gee. Yeah. You know, so, wasn't afraid to share his opinion.
1: Yeah. But the laughs... Ugh. So then, before I let you go, the final question I have is a deep one, but very important that we've been asking is, what makes muni special
2: muni is special because it requires you to pull things from yourself that other venues don't if you're working down at for a theater center or at legacy or something you don't have to deal with the with the issues of the climate as much. Mm-hmm. There, it's a very special requirement, it's a huge stage, whether um, we start uh, Children of Eden and it's supposed to be pitch black. Well, when the show starts, it's not dark enough. Mm-hmm. So you have to figure out things. So Muni is special in that it requires a different way of thinking about Mm -hmm. things? And how do you put a tiny intimate show on that massive stage? You know, how do you bring something closer? Um, How do you offer something that's different and unique in that Mm -hmm. when your your structure is this giant frame? And we did, City of Angels, I actually had a hole cut in the back wall and then built a little bit on stage but then through the back wall and that's where the orchestra sat. So the orchestra was on stage but it didn't eat up all of the set. So you know, just special things, what can you do, how can you do it. some of, sometimes they go, there are things you can do there. And one of the Peter Pans, they always flew, but they wanted, Tom wanted the pan at the end to go out over the audience. So a wire was rigged from the stage to the light booth across the audience. Mm. And it worked most of the time, except for the one night there was a snafu. And all of a sudden Peter Pan is going down and people are having to duck because Peter Pan could be stepping on their heads, and but the audience the huge audiences and although there were a few shows because of heat and stuff that the cast would outnumber the audience, <laughs> which wasn't wasn't good, but I think it's so special because it it requires you to um.
1: Pull your strengths from different places. Well, thank you so much, Dave, for um, talking to me. And um, we will talk soon. Have a great evening.
0: Thank you for listening to the Muni Oral History Project. This is an ongoing effort to capture the memories and stories of the Springfield Municipal Opera. If you have pictures, videos, or stories you'd like to contribute to this effort, please email history at the muni.org. Your hosts have been Jacob Potty and Craig McFarland, production assistants by Vanessa Ferguson and Jeremy Geckner. Special thank you to the Muni Board of Managers and the Muni Board of Trustees for their support in this effort. And thank you to all the Muni family who continue to help us create magic every summer.